Hi, and welcome back to Politodoxy. I'm your host, Aaron Friedman. Today we have Brittany Valadez, the host of Bravely Daily on YouTube. And I would first like to start with you introducing yourself. All right. Hi, guys. Yes, my name is Brittany Valadez, and I do have a website called bravelydaily.com, and it deals with um, faith content, faith and entertainment news. My background is in entertainment journalism, and I'm also a Christian, so I talk about faith-based content on there, and I love it. So basically, yeah, you know, we talk about stuff like Justin Bieber because he's related to faith or things like that. So, yeah. Mm -hmm. Wait, so Justin Bieber is, a re is related to how is he connected to any faith? So he identifies or calls himself a Christian. That's how he identifies that. So let or anybody, let's say anybody in the faith industry is like, oh, not industry. Oh my gosh. Let's say anybody like in the industry that says, oh, I'm a Christian, whether or not they might actually follow the beliefs, but if they say it, something that will cover and comment on it or tell a story about it. Like even if Jessica Simpson or Britney Spears went into a church, you know, that's something we would talk about like that. Well, well, he doesn't really strike me as the religious type. It goes back to, you know, that's a lot of the things that we talk about in Christianity or um, it's like, so we can say that we are our faith, but our actions are going to speak louder than that to a lot of people. Right. So it comes down to examining what we actually believe, because if we believe certain things and we would follow it by showing it through action. Yes. Yes, this is one of my biggest uh, problems with uh, Jews who call themselves Jews, and I do not recognize them as such if they're not Orthodox. They could be modern Orthodox, no problem. The What I would say the lowest tier of Judaism would be modern Orthodox. Why? Because do you have to, at the very least, follow the commandments. You cannot call yourself a part of a religion without practicing the religion. It doesn't work like that. Imagine me calling myself somebody who has... I've attributed to helping out in cancer research. I've never done anything of, that, of the sort, but I will take full credit for that. No, you don't get to do that. You have to participate in order to be in order to take any credit whatsoever. So with Judaism, and I say lowest tier, I maybe maybe some might take offense to that. I mean the the minimum, the minimum amount of of actually being in my eyes considered a Jew would be a modern Orthodox, but anything less than that. If you're not orthodox, then there is just then there is no way that I could recognize that as Judaism. I would assume the same way would be with Catholics. If somebody does not believe in Catholic uh, ideology, doesn't believe in Catholic tradition, then I would say, and I'm pretty sure that that person, especially if that person does not adhere to the, uh, does not doesn't go to church, does not do the things that has to be done, that person might, uh, as a matter of fact, be actually excommunicated because you, you're taking, especially um, somebody like Nancy Pelosi, you should have been, I think she was um, excommunicated. She should have been a long time ago. But anyway, what is your thoughts on that? If you don't, meaning, if you don't participate, then don't get, you don't get to call yourself or take credit for something you didn't do. You know, this is actually one of the problems that I have in, I'm going to talk specifically about Christianity because I'm a Christian in Christianity. I'm pretty sure you've, uh, you've heard this term. I don't know if you have, but it's called progressive Christianity. Yes. And yeah, people will say, oh, I'm a Christian. I'm progressive though. But the thing about the Bible is it's never changing. So in, in, if you call yourself a progressive Christian, you're not actually a Christian at all. Because I look at it like this. We take the Bible, which is God's holy word, right? And it has never changed. 
but you know what? I'm going to go through it. Ah, I don't like this. Mm, I don't like that. Mm. Now you made your own religion. I sometimes refer, refer to it as like cafeteria Christianity. Pick a little this, pick a little that. And I think that a lot of times, especially in the younger generations, we have people who think that they can be born into a religion. That's not how it is. It's like, yeah, um, it's something more. I'm sorry, I'm going to pause this because I think it's, you can still see me, right? But yes. my computer though. Okay, there. Yeah, I got a phone call and like shuts out everything. So let me start this again. So yes, um, we have people, especially in the younger generation, that think that they can kind of just be born into a religion. Now it's like, well, you know what? My grandma was um, Christian. My aunt was a Christian. So I guess I'm a Christian. I'm not going to follow anything that the you know Christians say. I'm just going to call myself a Christian. So it's like, hmm, no, you can't. Like I know in Judaism, it's not only a faith, but it's also a nationality, correct? Yes, it is a nationality, but mm. and still, there's some people still consider it. Well, you're born born a Jew, then you stay a Jew. I don't believe in that ideology at mm. all because, again, as much as it is a nationality, you could be nationally a Jew, but mm. if you don't participate, then you don't get to call yourself a Jew. As a matter of fact, there is a word I came up for that. It's the those guys who eat gefilte fish on Yom Kippur. Meaning that they eat, yes, they eat gefilte fish, which is a traditionally Jewish food, but it's Yom Kippur. You're not, a, you're not supposed to eat. So that's the problem. You eat gefilte fish. Yes, look at me. I'm very Jewish. Yeah, but you're eating a Yom Kippur. That's not something you're supposed to do. So th this is what I try to explain a, a lot of the time when we are having these kinds of debates. What if those, ha those people have a right to call themselves Jews? I don't think so. You got to, you cannot take credit for something you didn't do. You have to put in the work. I live my day as, mm -hmm. as an Orthodox Jew. I put in all the work. Then comes along some guy who has never done anything in his life that resembles anything to uh, traditional Judaism, anything at all. Maybe once kept the Shabbos, maybe once. And then comes along and he says, well, I have, I am a Jew. Uh, excuse me. I've been, I've been working all my life in order just to be able to be called that, and now you come along if you've done none of the work and just claim all the credit, that's I'm not willing to share the faith with somebody who's not going to put in the work. We all work together, that, that's fine. If you're not going to work, you have no right to call yourself that. So go ahead, continue. Oh, yeah. You know, it's like, um, I look at it like this. So I actually, I was on a mission trip recently in Honduras, and I was talking to this young, this young guy, and I was at a church, and I was asking him, you know, about his life, and he said he was a member of the church, and I asked him, okay, that's great. Um, so in Christianity, we have something where we believe, well, we believe we know that Jesus died and he rose again. So if you're going to be a Christian, you're going to, you're going to have to believe that Jesus died and rose again, actually be Christianity, the whole point of Christianity wrestles like it, it wrestles on the, um, the resurrection and wrestles is probably the right word. It rests, rests on the resurrection. So of course he's like, yeah, I'm a Christian. I believe that I'm an active member of the church, all that. I said, okay, that's great. So in Christianity, a lot of times we'll say, well, Jesus is my Lord and savior. And it's kind of become a phrase. He's my Lord and savior as if they go together and they do, but it's just something that like rolls off the tongue now. So I asked him, I said, okay, so I know that Jesus is your savior, right? Because you believe that he died and rose again for your sins. And he said, yes. And I said, but is he your Lord? And he, he's like, that's a really good question. So 
what I'm getting at is it goes back to people who will say, oh yeah, either I've been born in the faith, which they cannot, or, oh yeah, I believe Jesus died and he rose again for me. Great. But they're not living like that at all. And I said, so when Jesus is your savior, you believe that he died and rose again. He becomes your Lord when you're when your faith is evidenced through your actions. So your actions won't get you to Jesus. But if you really believe in him and you really love him and everything that he does, it's going to cause you to change the way you act. And that's a problem that I have with so many people claiming Christianity. I'm pretty sure you've seen plenty of people who have a Bible verse in their bio. Or my, main problem, my main problem is with, the, with, um, with Catholics is why they're not denouncing the Pope. He has multiple mm -hmm. times referred to Mother Earth. That is pure paganism. There's no other way to see this. Pure mm -hmm. paganism. Mother Earth. Uh, what's the other things? I'm I'm now going blank on the other things that he, have, he that he has said, but there are a oh yes, in explicit explicitly endorsed communistic ideology and as well as the so-called artist for piss Christ, the one where uh, the um, Christ is in a jar of urine, and I'm like. Wait, wait, what? When I heard that, he actually, he, he invited him. They met. I don't remember exactly all the details, but all I know that one does not just, uh, just invite somebody who is actively trying to destroy their religion. As a matter of fact, I'll just point out, there is this very vengeful, very, very terrible woman named Julia Hart. She left the Orthodox Judaism. And she was a very unhappy with her life. Fine, you want to leave? No problem with me. I mean, you uh, that's, that's your uh, problem with God, not my problem. But then she started attacking and making up whole lies out of, out of whole cloth. Nothing, almost anything she said. She was uh, on Netflix. She was on a show uh, called My Unorthodox Life, which, act, uh, mm. which was attacking Orthodox Judaism. I actually tweeted to Netflix asking them at the time, okay, now that's cool. Now do one for Muslims. Oh, now, they, but they won't do that. They could only go after certain groups, not otherwise. Anyway, so mm. she tried to attack uh, Orthodox Judaism. And by the way, the attacks backed at her, which came from actually Jews who left. They left the religion. They were like, um, actually, listen, it wasn't for me, but this is not at all what it's what Orthodox Judaism is like. She does say a few truths mm -hmm. and those things could be debated. Other things she says that are true only with the, uh, out of context, they're true. But when you put it into context, you see, okay, you know what? Actually, this is not that bad. Long story short is that those people who attack your religion, you don't, I will not invite her. I mean, actually, I would invite her to actually for a debate. I will definitely do that and utterly humiliate and destroy her because it's so disprovable, her lies. But you do not invite them with the intent to show, oh, these people are not that bad. So you have the, you have the Pope inviting people like that endorsing communist ideology. Wait a minute. I, now I remember. I don't remember which president. One South American president, uh, I think it was a president, prime minister or general, whatever, presented the Pope with a communist hammer and sickle with Christ and um, right on it. I don't remember. Um, carved into it, presented to presented it to him, and he there was no apparently it's no problem. So I'm like, how could this guy? How could you? Any? I understand you cannot. Uh, I understand that the you cannot um, criticize the pope um no if 
if he makes a mistake, you don't do that. There is some kind of respect for the office. So I get that. I understand that. But one after the other, when there is a train of abuses within Catholic ideology, I think at some point you have to say, no, this is not this is uh, not OK. And a new po pope should be called for. What do you think about that? Well, um, I'm not familiar with any of those specific instances, but I do know that, yes, we should respect people like, a cop, like obviously for us, respecting our president, respecting the Pope. But because they are not God, we have every right to call them out, especially when they're walking in sin. And, you know, it's something that it's uncomfortable for a lot of us. And of course, that, as the saying goes, not one of us is perfect. Um, but when we want to edify and help someone out, right, either grow in their faith or to change the way that they're living, we have to call out sin when it's sin. And then especially if you're going to be someone in office, and of course, um, in the Bible, I believe it's in Timothy, it could be in Timothy or Titus, it talks about what it means to be a person, like in my case, in a pastor, if I wanted to be, well, not me, if I wanted, if a guy was going to be a pastor, the things that it would require from him, like being a man of one wife, um, being able to raise his family well, like things like that. And if they don't, live up to that, then you have every right to take them off that position because they are not God. So in regards to anybody in leadership, whether it's a pope, a pastor, or a president, we have every right to call out sin, that's sin, and remove people you know, from their place because, like I said, they are not God. And we all need accountability. And it comes to a point where we're not removable. Um, like if, you know, if we just, we're like, well, we're always going to be here because we're in charge. Uh, no one can tell us anything. Then it becomes a pride issue, which is sin <laughs> and it's almost like elevating ourselves to a godlike level which we're not and we can never be so you know a lot of issues that i have within the church um catholic or christian or even when it comes down to what we vote for um things like being you know pro-abortion um I i'm like well look even if you're not going to go on a faith-based argument do you believe in science what does science tell us about conception and where I don't I don't personally believe in science saying somebody one believes in science is to admit one believes in a secular worldview I don't believe in science I believe science is a part of life created by God only to prove God all science would only prove that God does exist all of it there is none of it that could disprove him including the so-called big bang theory they I, I just trying, I'm just trying to figure out what is the argument. So there was a big bang. Okay, fine. God created a big bang. So, I mean, what is the, what is the, it doesn't disprove anything. Okay, fine. You want to say there was a big bang and all of this was created out of nothing. Fine. Who, how did that happen? The linchpin of their argument that there was a big bang. They can't tell you how it happened. They just tell you it did. Well, isn't that also a faith based ideology? So there's problem with problems with that. Also, mm -hmm. On the subject as on God and getting people to be more religious, this is, I actually took, take a lot from Matt Walsh on this, so I will give him credit, but I'm kind of refining it and putting it into my own words. So here we go. On the subject of getting people to be more religious, I've seen a lot of churches and including some synagogues become more and more uh, trying to appeal to the youth, being more hip and cool, bringing in, in the churches. I, I mean, I've never walked into a church, but uh, what I've heard and what I've seen in the videos is them 
starting to play modern music, bringing in modern instruments, and then going away from tradition, trying to be hip and cool. And guess what? The kids aren't buying it. The elders are sitting there and they are not really that much enjoying it. They're just there because they actually have some respect for the church. But the kids, they're not there. They're not there busy on their phones or they're not at church at all. So they're not appealing to anybody, which goes to show. And the most important thing of the of what I'm trying to point out here is that these of uh, the religious leaders really have to step up their game. Stop trying to appeal to the youth, because if you're going to provide and going to serve the youth with things they could get at a Britney, uh, sorry, Britney is not anymore um, relevant. I mean, actually now, yes, she is kind of is, but, but not, not musically wise, but Taylor Swift, if it's something they could receive at a Taylor Swift concert, then they're just going to go to a Taylor Swift concert. They're not going to go to church. Church has to be, and the same is with synagogue and a mosque. I'm very much pro any uh, religious to a more fundamental point where you actually, and it depends what the fundamentals are. If the fundamentals are killed, then I would say, no, don't follow that. But if the fundamentals is actually behaving in a good orderly manner, I would say, yes, the fundamentals are good. Anyway, but what happens is they are trying to serve the youth with things they could get everywhere else the church has to be a unique experience where it elevates the soul something they will not get anywhere else something unique and interesting something that keeps them and opens their mouth just looking an amazement that's what it has to be but no they are they are now trying to be hip and cool and what happens is the youth are they're like yeah i could get this I could get this from the secular world. Why am I going to church to get more secularism? Doesn't make any sense. So what is, what is your outlook on that? Yeah, so some of the music, a lot of the music in church, I like the modern music. I like all that the feels. Now, I do agree with you on certain things, so I'll explain kind of my thought. Um, I know that this is one of the problems, like you said, when we're just going to go in and we're going to try to cater to the youth. I think the problem comes when we start catering to people instead of answering to God. So I remember when I was growing up and, you know, I would have different youth pastors and, and I went to some churches where we, I thought it was so cool. They had like, we'd have like pizza and then they'd have games and all this stuff. And like, as a teenager, that's so cool. But I remember thinking as I got older, I started having questions when I was going to college. If people were to ask me um, like the hard questions, like why would a good God allow evil or why your God? Why not the Muslims? Just, just to just one second on that. On why would a God, a good God, create evil, evil? I just want to quote Chesterton. I think it was Chesterton who actually said it. That my whole perception of what is good only comes from God. Therefore, my only reason why I could think something is evil is only because God told me the other thing is good. So only saying that well, how this is this much evil. Yes. How do you know this is evil? Because God told you it's evil. So it doesn't disprove. It only proves that God does exist. You cannot disprove God by saying, oh, there's so much evil. Then another thing, that we're a fallen world, we ask question, why is there so much evil? Well, we have fallen that much that the evil <laughs> correlates with that. And there are a whole bunch of other questions that I could answer for that. But continue. I just wanted to point that out because that's a very important uh, point that people bring up uh, as to despair and to go into a nihilistic point of view. And that has to be expelled completely. So go ahead. Yeah. And so it's like, okay, cool. You want to have the games. That's cool to draw people in. But what's going to get them to really stay? If you are, they could go to any event center or whatever, or go hang out with their friends. But if you're going to draw them into a church, you need to give them sound theology. 
Because if not, you're just going to have the church as secondary. Oh, I just go there so I can hang out with my friends. Or I just go there on Sundays because there's somebody cute that works at the little the coffee bar or whatever. Um, but then you, you get these kids who are going to church and they're not getting any sound theology, whether that be any great theology at all, answering their difficult questions. Or if we have a pastor who's like too afraid of offending, so they don't say anything, then you're going to get these kids, which is a problem that we have now, going out and believing things that are completely against the Bible. So I'm like, if you want to have the cool music, first of all, my thought on cool music is, is it theologically correct? Which, you know, a lot of worship leaders are going to have to take their time and start going through instead of just, okay, this song is trending on social media or this, I like the beat, but you're going to have to compare it to the Bible. Is the, the lyric to the lyrics, are they theologically sound? Okay, because what we get in our heads as we sing it, it stays in our heads. So that's important. I think a lot of churches, hopefully, if they're not doing it, they should start doing that now. And the second thing is, are you teaching sound theology? Because like you said, I agree with you. Why are you going to have all this cool stuff, this fluff, and then you're going to have these kids going out in the world? And yeah, I support abortion. I support uh, the homosexual lifestyle. or I support this or that. And it's like, they're supposed to be going to their church that's telling them this is this is what the bible says this is not how you should be living like i had a friend really smart friend he's really young too and he said something about that he said this the church should not be a safe space for sin and i said exactly exactly that's somebody that wants to be edified and wants to change because if you're going to church they always say like the church is a hospital for the sick yeah we should go there because we want to get well and we want to be get well from our sin not just go there, have our sin and be celebrated. Oh, we love you. We accept you. God says, yeah, come as you are, but I love you so much. I don't want to keep you that way. Right. So I also, I just want to get where your uh, ideology, politically speaking. Now let's, we're going to change up the subject. So where do you align politically speaking? Oh, conservative, definitely. And, uh, you know, I've been raised in a conservative family. It's been something that, you know, that's how I've been all my life. But I didn't just, you know, just say, well, because my mom and dad are conservative, so therefore I'm going to be conservative. No, um, doesn't make sense when I look at what I believe from the word of God. What party would align more of that if tomorrow the Democrats were all about or if tomorrow the left was all about voting this way or like we're not going to be in support of abortion. We're not going to be in support of it's not going to happen. Like it's intrinsic to the left. The idea left wing ideology has always been pro death. You could you could trace it back to the French Revolution, the mass killings. That that's actually where I would put it. Uh, what, like the culmination of all of leftist ideology up until that point. So there was a lot of leftist ideology before the the French Revolution, but when it culminated into actual action, that's when it happens. And it was feckless traditionalists like the king, King Louis, who did not kill the people who should have been killed. Instead, six hundred thousand people were killed and thrown out of France. If he would have, if he would have killed the right people and enforced that he's king, he's going to do what has to be done. And I know nowadays people are going to be very upset on that because, oh, that's a dictatorship. I have big news for you: dictatorship is not that um, not that terrible in compared to what actually happened in France throughout the what they themselves called the terror. And then you had Napoleon who came into power, and by the way, he was a very good leader. Whatever you heard about Napoleon being this terrible dictator, that's all British propaganda, which, by the way, they, of course, they're the British. They're their enemy. Of course, they're going to spread propaganda on Napoleon. But Napoleon brought back the Catholic Church into France. The, the 
revolutionaries, they threw out the Catholic Church. He brought back stability and then he conquered Europe. He, he lost in Russia, but he conquered Europe. He was a great leader and the French were not... They were not a people that was ready for so-called democracy. I think it was Edmund Burke, the great British uh, statesman, who said that the French, being a people not ready for democracy, it's better for them to have dictatorship. I'm paraphrasing, but that's the that's a British great statesman who was actually in favor of the American Revolution. Long story short is that at the time he said that these people are not ready. They're not their minds are not uh, is not liberty oriented. They are killing oriented because it was a leftist revolution. So go ahead. I want to hear from you what you have to say. Oh, no, I think you um, I think that's pretty much all I have to say about that subject. But yeah, I mean, I definitely believe like my I would say my allegiance is not to a specific party. It's it's to God first, because if I follow God. It's going to tell me where I'm going to how I'm going to vote, who I'm going to vote for. Um, and, you know, it's just that's just what I wish people would would look unfortunately i think a lot of people tend to vote um, based on skin color um other ideologies that are just not you know aligned with the lord i'm like you know if we if i would stop looking at i just for me as a minority i'm never going to look at a candidate and be like oh that's a hispanic i'm going to vote for them no <laughs> what do they believe in what, where are their values that's where i align with what i vote for um and it just happens to be that a lot of what i believe it's more found in conservative values and so if I could get people to go back to the Bible, read the Bible and not just quote a verse here and there, because that's, that's the only thing about Christianity is we look at the Bible as a whole. It's a collective and we have too many people just voting, quoting a verse here and there. And then, OK, well, like the, the classic, do not judge as if it sums up the whole Bible. I'm like, you know, there's a verse in there that Jesus himself said about uh, righteous judgment. <laughs> it's kind of it's kind of weird to me. What do you mean? Do not judge. Literally, God destroyed the entire world by flooding the world in the time of Noah. He almost destroyed Nineveh, the, yeah. the Babylonian city. Almost destroyed it if it weren't for, what the what was the prophet's name? I don't remember. He, um, sorry, it escapes me his name. He went over there and told them to repent. They repented and God did not destroy them. Or, or the Tower yeah. of Babel destroyed the entire city and the tower itself. God yeah. constantly judges. So this idea of God will not judge and oh, all kinds of behavior is good. That's not that's not a religion. That's just hedonism, which, yeah. which brings me to uh, going back now, circling back to the point of, of actually doing the things that has to be done, actually participating in the religion instead of just taking advantage of the name. Oh, now I'm a Jew. Oh, I'm a Christian. Yeah, I don't actually do anything. I've no vested interest in the religion. Uh, if the religion disappeared tomorrow, nothing, literally nothing in my life will change. But I am still going to take advantage. I have to say that one is not born into greatness. One is one actually achieves greatness by action. And some are born with the expectation to greatness. But you're not born into greatness. You have to achieve it by action. And those people who take who just take advantage of the idea, well, I, I'm born a Christian, so I, I guess I'm just going to heaven or the same with the Jew. It doesn't work that way. It does not work that way. You have to put in the actual work and actually do the things that is done. You know what I find interesting? I'm going to go back to what you said about judgment and then I'm going to go to this too. You might have to remind me, but I don't know if you remember the old song Miley Cyrus saying like, we can't stop. I forget how it goes, but she goes, only God. Oh, I'm not that much interested in most secular songs. Oh no. Okay. Well, let me tell you this in the, in the song, she says only God can judge us. I think. And I was like, uh, 
Somebody had, I saw a quote online and they were like, a lot of people say, oh, only God can judge me. Forgetting that one day he will. Like, I think people's judgment is nowhere compared to God's judgment on us. So be careful when you say, oh, only God can judge me. Do you really, really want God to judge you though? <laughs> That's you? a good one. That is a good, that is a good point. Do you really want God to judge you? That's a very good one. But there's another problem with that, actually. God mm -hmm. commanded the Israelites to, and not only the Israelites, but all the nations of the world to create judges, to create uh, mm -hmm. courts and judges and leaders. What yeah. do courts, judges and leaders do? What is the, one of their main objectives? Oh yes, it is to judge other people uh -huh. to either to death if they are guilty of such or to any other of their crimes or to uh, to give them yeah. whatever, whatever um, good things they've done. Good deeds should be rewarded. They, but they, ultimately, God gave us a right to judge and mm -hmm do action upon those judgments and then there is ultimate judgment which is only could only be done by god that's not deniable nobody's denying that but those who say only god can judge me no god is going to ultimately judge you but everybody else has a right to judge you as well as a matter of fact uh, most people they judge certain behaviors so and there, then there is the idea of prejudice prejudging somebody which Nowadays, it's some kind of a dirty word. I don't really think it's a dirty word. Most people are prejudiced, prejudging situations, so-called uh, judging a book by its cover. If if I see something that uh, looks like fire, or I see a, oh, here is one. If I see a frog that is all kinds of colors in the jungle, I'm going to be prejudiced and think that could be poisonous and I'm not going to touch that. Yeah, but you're being prejudiced. It doesn't matter. I People always make, um, people are prejudiced. Uh, when it comes to a lot of situations, we make prejudgments. Just it's a natural, normal thing. So to say that, well, you can't judge me. Not only can I judge you, I could also, um, based on your uh, past behaviors or even looks, uh, such as uh, all kinds of tattoos and all of those kinds of things, I could make a judgment. Okay, this person is not somebody who, maybe not somebody who should be taken seriously. For instance, for example, the I, there was this person on Twitter who replied to me and I just looked at the name of the person in the, the handle. The name had a Ukrainian flag and four times booster. And I replied to that person, do you really want me to take you seriously? I cannot take you seriously. I'm not even gonna, I'm not even gonna engage because, and this is a, I think you're gonna love this story. Oh gosh. About, uh, about stupidity. I don't, I do not uh, debate people who are stupid, who I deem them as to be stupid. And this is why there was once a zebra and a tiger. The zebra and the tiger were arguing uh, if the grass was green or blue. The zebra said it was blue and the tiger said the grass was green. The zebra said, let's go to the lion and he will judge. They went to the king of the jungle. The lion came out of his, of his, um, what's it called again? Of his cave, came mm -hmm. out of, out of his cave and the zebra said, lion, oh dear lion, the the tiger says that the grass is green. I am saying that it is blue. What do you judge? The lion says that it is indeed blue. And the zebra starts jumping. He's happy. He starts dancing. He says, lion, I want uh, your majesty, I want you please to, to punish the tiger for wasting my time and for, for arguing with me on such a pointless subject. And the lion said, tiger, you cannot 
You have to stay in your cave for an entire month. You cannot go out. You cannot eat meat for an, an entire month. And you could only sleep for four, uh, for four hours a day. That's your punishment. And the zebra is happy, walks away. The tiger asks from the lion, I will accept what you say. I accept your punishment. But do you really believe that the grass is blue? The lion says, no, the grass is indeed green. The tiger asks from the lion, then why did you say that the grass is is blue? He said, be, he said uh, sorry. Yeah, why did you say the grass was blue and why did you punish me? He said, because first to get rid of the zebra. And second, why did I punish you? Because somebody as, as wise as you are should not be engaging or 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 taking part with somebody who is as stupid as the zebra. You deserve a punishment for arguing with <laughs> with a stupid uh, stupid animal like the zebra. Do not engage. If the person you see is indeed stupid, you understand. You have to use common sense. This is a, this is all judgment calls. You have to use common sense to understand. But if that is the case, do not engage. This is a, the uh, you ha- your time is very important and if you engage with idiots and you uh, associate yourself with idiots not only you might become one but people will automatically assume that you might be as well an idiot your punishment oh. and you do deserve punishment the idiots have been given a voice and they are it's about time that voice has, should be taken away and i'm not talking about legal means yes we all have freedom of speech i understand yes but we're talking about uh, giving them your time in order for their voice to be heard do not i think it was and i just i will let you speak in just a moment i just want to point this out about what Andrew Tate said. Now, I know a lot of people don't like him, but he does say a lot of good points. And here's one, a very good point on the transgender uh, issue. He said that we could all just, when it comes to the transgender issue, we could all just collectively say, no, this is stupid and we're not just not going to debate it. We're going to laugh in their face and continue on. But because we have such a, a huge amount of the population who take these people seriously now we have to have a national debate instead of actually arguing what the taxes should be uh, on real things that actually affect us now we're busy with a teeny tiny minority who are delusional and busy with their needs and why only because there are certain people who have decided that this uh, that to take these arguments seriously that is why so we have to take away that uh, that time the time we have to reclaim our time and stop giving these people the time of day. So what do you think on that? And this is also to, and this kind of ties into the subject of people who say, well, God says um, you um, love all of the, uh, that you should love whoever you love. So that goes into the gay marriage question, um, which is not that much of a question. It's pretty obvious that gay marriage is not a, it's not a thing. It's, it just doesn't exist. It, marriage is a specific definition, right? It's a specific thing. Now, you could have a unity. Fine. You, you, you want to get so-called married, whatever that looks like. No problem. I mean, I don't care. I, I, I guess I'm more libertarian on that. But it's not marriage, just as a matter of fact. Marriage is strictly between a man and a woman. You cannot change that definition. I mean, apparently they can, but it should not be permissible. Anyway, long story short is that what we... This ties into that, that we have people who are now making arguments into Christian theology, now trying trying to change the entire debate of what it means to be Christian or even Orthodox Jewish or any other religion, saying, oh, you have to be more tolerant. God says this and then taking out things out of context. And we are debating them for some reason. They are not making valid arguments. They are lying purposely, but we're taking them serious. Yeah, it's a whole thing. Like, um, well... You know, one of the comments, one of the things goes back to judging. If you say anything that's different than their opinion, you're automatically judging. Well, I think that we need to look at what judging actually is. 
like you said, a lot of us judge. I can look at somebody and think, wow, she's wearing a business suit. She must run a Fortune 500 company when, in fact, she just wanted to wear a business suit for her class that day because she's giving a speech. So uh, every one of us will judge people. Now, do we judge correctly? No. A lot of the time, sometimes we do, sometimes we don't, because a lot of times people will judge you um, like based on your appearance. And if we get offended, if someone uh, like if I am dressing, looking like I just walked out of my house every day and someone's like, man, she looks so sloppy. Well, it's because I do look sloppy. You know, there's sometimes when our judgments can be correct and sometimes when our judgments are incorrect. And then I think also in regards to judgment as well. So I know in, in the Bible, it talks about, I think in, in the New Testament, about judging. So judging others to, it says do not judge, but what it means in that context of that scripture. Again, like you said, context, people don't, they won't read the verses around it or the whole Bible as a whole. They'll just pick and choose things. Um, it says in that specific passage that not to judge because the same measure will be measured unto you. So what it means is if I were to judge someone, I would want to judge them in the fact of like the, the basis of how I would judge myself. Um, it becomes bad judgment when I look at somebody and I'm just like, oh my gosh, that person's an alcoholic. Like they are into sex work. I never want to, I never want to be like them. So I'm not going to associate myself with them. And that's, you know, that's a whole separate thing in judging, but we can judge. Um, I think good judgment is based on helping someone out. So if I see like a my friend, if she's just like, if he or she is struggling with alcoholism or whatever, uh, righteous judgment would tell me, hey, I need to help that person out. Um, so let me go and help you out. So that's a whole topic I'm getting on about judgment because I feel like so many people will accuse us if we have a different opinion than what they say, automatically you're judging me. No, I just explained to you what the different types of judgment are. I'm just giving you a different opinion. You just don't want to hear the truth sometimes, you know? There's a question to that, by the way. Why would you be offended that I'm judging you because what judge, judgment ultimately is, it's have an expectation and a standard apply to everybody or to somebody, depending on the person, who that person is, especially when if that person is of high value, such as a priest or a rabbi or a leader, you would have a higher judgment and a higher standard for them than the average person because they are leaders specifically for them. But then you have for the average person. So when you say, oh, I can't believe you're judging me. That is so, so terrible. What you're saying is, you, how dare you even apply to me any standard? I should be an animal. I should be allowed to be a hedonistic animal and do whatever I want to do. No, 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 no. I have, I'm actually, when I'm judging you, I'm actually, what I'm doing is some kind of mercy. And I am, I believe that you're a human being. I believe that I'm applying a standard that I would apply to myself, not all the time, but depend, again, depending what your position is, if you're a leader or not, uh, different standards. Anyway, but. I would apply a specific standard to every person that they have to behave like a normal human being and me judging them and them getting offended is them saying, how dare you say that I should behave in a certain way and a certain expectation. I should be as vulgar and as terrible as possible and nobody should be able to stop me. Yeah, that's another way to look at certain things. I've never thought about it like that. And it's like, hmm, actually, yeah. I mean, obviously, we, everybody would prefer not to be judged, but sometimes it's like, you know what? Maybe I should kind of take myself a little bit more seriously in the way I present myself because people are going to be looking right away at our outward appearance first. And I know in the Bible it talks about, I think it was in, um, like man looks at the outward appearance, but the Lord looks at the heart, which is true. But it's saying right then and there that men will look at your outward appearance, how you present yourself. 
people are going to judge a lot based on that. So are we going to take any personal responsibility to clean ourselves up, whether how we look visually or the things that we do? So, I don't know. Just are we going to take any, um, what's the word? What I'm trying to get at, like a self-responsibility or self-pride, I guess, in the, in the good way. Uh, yeah. So I know we were talking about um, Andrew Tate and I guess like the transgender movement and homosexuality, correct? Not he didn't he actually did not talk about homosexuality. He's he basically does not care. He says whatever you do whatever. As far as I know, he doesn't really care about that. But he's talking about specifically. Oh, by the way, just now I remember Jonah. Jonah was the prophet. Yeah. Just now I remember. Anyway, but what he's talking about is the idea that we have a certain amount of people who have decided that this should be taken serious seriously, and therefore now the entire society has to suffer. Why? Because a certain group of people who don't even identify with that now have decided, you know what, this is now a subject. This is now a thing for debate. And it actually ties into what he has to say about the matrix, that mm -hmm. it this is organized. This is not something that... that that is natural. It is artificial, and it's specifically made to dumb everybody down. Now everybody has to be busy with these kinds of stupid arguments instead of elevating our philosophers and our our professors, our teachers, our leaders. Every every person of authority now has to bow down to this weird ideology, and now has to cater to that instead of actually catering to the greater questions of life. So this is an uh, this is in order to dumb down everybody. Now that this goes into another thing. Again, this is these things are common are to one extent or another very commonsensical and certain people might get offended offended. Why are you talking about Andrew Tate? You know what he's done. I know all the things. I know everything that has to that there is to be said about Andrew Tate. But the sheer fact what he said there, it's true. It doesn't matter if who says the thing. Actually, it kind of doesn't matter who says the thing. If some, if somebody, if a terrible person tells you to do something, and it may look like something that is common sense, then you have to second guess that. Just be critical about it. Um, try to make sure. Uh, be cautious. Um, just try to make sure that this is actually the right thing to do. But once that is confirmed, this is the right thing. Then it doesn't matter who said it. This is the right thing. What he said there is one hundred percent correct. So it doesn't really bother me whoever says it. And, and anyway, by the way, a lot of the things that is put on agitate is just complete bogus lies and he does have there i i do find some issue with him but uh, but he has been more or less he has been a very good influence on on young adults he's been the reason that i'm i'm kind of uh, going off subject but i just want to point this out the reason why young people flock to andrew tate is not because of the things he's done in the past this is not the reason the reason is because what he's doing right now and the things he's doing right now is mostly the vast majority of it is good what he's saying is good and um, certain people might say, well, this or that. Okay, fine. You want to critique any any specific? Fine. But I could do the same with Ben Shapiro, Jordan Peterson. I could critique any specific of what they said. The vast majority of those people, what they say is good. The same is with Andrew Tate. He does have problems in the past. Fine. We could, we could discuss that. But this is not the reason why people are flocking to him. Anyway, I've gone off subject, but I just wanted to clear that uh, out. Oh, yeah. No worries. No worries. I think... Sometimes I feel that the media has a lot to do with what is elevated and what's made the discussion of the moment. Um, I think that a lot of the media are potsters and they will take 
things to see what's going to get clicks, what's going to make money. Ultimately, it comes back to the love of money. And if it means we craft a title in a certain way, or we highlight this part of the story and not this part of the story, or we give a voice to this person versus that person, um, that's what's going to get people talking. So I do think the media has a lot of responsibility, which is why I would tell anybody to when you choose what media to watch. And if you want to watch, you know, CNN and Fox News, like, you know, at the time it was the complete opposite um, or whatever. Uh, hey, watch both because why it's going to make you a better thinker to see if you can spot the truth from the lie in, in both of, of, you know, those news outlets. Uh, but I just I really think that the media has a lot to do with that. And of course, I mean, the moral issue of just of sin of sin people um sin is just seems to be like what everyone wants to do that's a sinful nature but i really do think the media has a lot to do with what we end up talking about and making do, it real. do as thou wilt as they say and this is one of the things that why i'm that much against hedonism and this is also a problem why i have uh, what i have about liberalism i believe that liberalism does have satanic roots why because liberalism is has its roots to the never-ending revolution, the current abol the abolishment of the current state of things, as Mark Marx, sorry, Karl Marx said, and do as thou wilt, and that is hedonism. Do whatever is comfortable for you. What is liberalism? To liberate oneself. Okay, so liberate oneself from what? From the self. Liberate oneself from any boundaries whatsoever. That is hedonism. That is do as thou wilt. So now you have to ask the question, is the person who is liberated from any law prohibiting him from doing any kinds of drugs or any kinds of sex work, are they really, really that much liberated? Is the person addicted to cocaine not a slave to their own appetites and desires? Liberalism replaces one God for another. It replaces the God that you that you serve, that you are, um, as it says in the uh, it says in the Bible, you are a lamb to God, or it's sorry, it's it switches up that where you are somebody who serves a greater and more powerful deity, to it turns you into God, where mm -hmm. ye shall be as gods, as as the serpent says. You will liberate yourself. You will not follow any orders. No boundaries. No rules. You make your own rules, which is none. You don't make, even make any rules. That so this is what I see liberalism as some uh, some uh, liberating oneself from any higher authority and from the self turning yourself into a slave to yourself, and why do and why would you would want to ask the question though why would one turn into a slave to oneself maybe one could just be liberated that's impossible human beings are fundamentally spiritual the first thing what was the first thing that the Jews said when they were they were freed from Egypt? What was the first thing they wanted to do? They wanted to go back. Why? Yeah, they were Why? Because they wanted to be able to serve. Because they were this. Now this is two tier. This is multifaceted. One is they wanted to serve. Second is because they wanted to be taken care of. But there's now another thing. Moses went up to into heaven. Moses went up into heaven to then brought down the stone the stone tablets and what did he see the first thing a golden calf that the israelites israelites created why would they create a golden calf in the process it doesn't make any sense they were not, they have seen the sea split 10 plagues they've seen manna they've seen the uh, god brought uh, 
they they beg for meat so god mm-hmm. supplied them with uh i don't remember what kind of bird but they started eating meat long story short short they saw all these kinds of miracles and they created a golden calf why did they actually believe that the golden calf is going to save them it's yes they actually did believe that why because they did for the time being, no leadership. There was no, more or less, Moses was not there. They could not communicate to God. They didn't have a set of rules what they were supposed to do. What happened was human beings are fundamentally spiritual. They didn't have a God to turn to. They created their own. That's the story over and over again, all the time, everywhere you can see this. So to say that, well, I'm just going to liberate myself and I'm not going to become a, a slave to something else. I'm not going to, I'm just going to be myself impossible. You are in part, you are in part a soul. So you cannot be your only self as the body. You mm-hmm. also have a soul, which is, has a longing to something spiritual. You cannot liberate, you can liberate your body so-called, but then your soul will, will start looking and you will find something else. It's impossible to just be a human being without a, uh, Without serving a higher purpose, and the same, and you will say, "Oh, what about these certain scientists and so on?" Well, they are—they are serving science. Their entire their entire theology is science, and part of it is also just denying God. That's a, that's yes. another thing. Which I've, I just find it: why wouldn't you want God? That the people who say they don't want God to exist, they don't believe in, the, and they also don't want that. There's no hope for more or less. There is no hope for them because why wouldn't you want that? Why would you want only this to be the the entire existence? Don't you want to find your family again? Don't you want to? Why wouldn't you want to have an eternity in in paradise? So I want I want to now move it over to you. You know everything you said. It's like it, it's true. It's, it's it's always I think in this day and age right now, and it seems to be I guess throughout history, even the example of the Israelites. Sometimes we even if we claim we don't have a God or we don't want to believe in God or don't want to serve God. Like you said, we're just going to replace the one true God with another God. And right now, I think it's the God of self of I want to answer to me and my opinions are what's right. And you can't tell me anything. And like you said, well, I want to be able to do what I want. Yeah, but doing what you want a lot of times ends up harming you and not just you, others around you. I think um, somebody says, I forgot. A lot of people will say that when they find God, you know, when they come to know Jesus Christ and what he did for us and how much they love him. They like, that's when I found the truth. And I was becoming a slave to everything else. And this is what I want. This is who I want to call my master now. And because you're right, we are a soul. We're ultimately searching for what is the truth. And if we claim we reject God, then we're going to stay over here. Well, I'm going to reject, you said scientists, I'm going to reject God, but their God is science. Their God is self in their mind. They're the smartest thing. And it's like, I sometimes I question, I'm like, if, if people don't believe in God and they are like an atheist and they don't think that our soul will go anywhere. I'm like, if this is the life that is, is as good as you're going to get, ew, ew, I, I don't understand. I don't understand the concept of, I don't believe in God. I just believe in self and now and, and earth as it is, is, is as good as it's going to get. I'm like, sometimes you got a question like, why would I want to live here? There has to be something else. There has it's to pure be. nihilism. That's what it is. And I actually made an episode, which I actually implore you to watch. Uh, sorry, not to watch. It was actually an audio episode uh, I, where I discuss a very interesting subject on the issue of being a agnostic, just to be agnostic. It's basically somebody who's agnostic, doesn't really know 
Okay, fine. I have no problem with those people because they, they want to figure out, okay, fine. You don't know. You want to figure out that, that then there is no problem. We could have normal conversations. But then there are agnostics who say that there is, we, we can't know. We cannot know these kinds of things. We just don't know. And it goes to the same subject of we cannot know the difference between a man and a woman. We don't know if a child is a man or no, is a boy or a girl. We can't know uh, certain all kinds of other things. We just can't know these kinds of things. And I say, no, actually, we can. We can actually uh, know stuff. We actually do have logos. We have divine logic, common sense, which goes to the argument on common sense. I've seen a lot of people say common sense is not that common anymore. It actually is common. Everybody has common sense. Most people just don't know how to use it. They don't know how to tap into that and utilize it. They don't know how to use the common sense, something that everybody has, more or less everybody, and use that and to apply to their life, their daily life. And common sense has nothing to do with facts or data. It is what it is, is to understand and carp and compartmentalize facts and data and turn it into a narrative. That's what common sense is. Being able it's a divine logic that we that basically most people have, but most people don't know how to use it. So it's still common. Most people have it. They just they're not taught how to use it, which the, it is a tragedy in and of itself. So on the subject of the, people not being able to use common sense and the, the entire society is falling apart culturally and where would you and this will be I think this could be the last subject on the agenda. Where would where would you say starts started the entire cultural decay? Where would you say uh, again? We have had leftist ideas since the dawn of time. So, but it didn't start at the dawn of time. At the dawn of time, we have only so I hate this word progressed, but <laughs> but it just as just as uh, the most simple term progressed, we have progressed. But at some point, we're now we have started regressing, and we've not gotten back to that. I would argue. I'll just put out my argument, and I want to hear what you have to say. I would say. When it the regression really started is is at the 1950s. Sorry, at the end of the 1950s with the Kennedy election, with the new wave of liberalism with Kennedy. I know a lot of people they love Kennedy. He was a buffoon. He was an idiot, and he was a, and he stole the election from Richard Nixon. And Kennedy, he was not he was not a good guy. I made an episode exposing all the Kennedy lies. Camelot did not exist. He was a totally complete utter buffoon who killed our allies in South Vietnam. Got us involved in Vietnam in the first place, actually. Long story short is, I'm not going to get too much into that because I don't want to get off topic, but with that start of this new uh, cool, hip wave of liberalism, that's where the 1960s, that's exactly where it started. So that's where that's what I believe. The long march through the institutions that Sololinsky said, that's when it started in the 1960s when he wrote, when he wrote Rules for Radicals. So where would you say started the entire cultural decline? You know, honestly... I'm going to go back way, way, way back to Genesis and thinking, what? But I love this in the garden when the snake, the serpent deceived Eve, it started with, did God really say that? Because he could get Eve to second guess. And it kind of reminds me of today when, you know, we were talking about earlier um, about people that have common sense, but they don't know how to use it. Like right away, they could, the baby's born, boy, girl. We know how you can tell the difference. But people believe, well, all of a sudden, no, 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 there's 72 genders. Wait, and then they start second guessing themselves. Well, maybe there is. 
even though there clearly is a boy and a girl. It kind of like reminds me of the serpent. Did God really say that though? She's getting you to question things. And then it starts getting you to question your own sanity and questioning, well, is this really immoral? Is this really sin? Is it really going to hurt anybody? Is it really, is it really, is it really? And then when we have so many, is it really, is it's like, well, you know what? It doesn't even matter. There's no even no moral line. I can do whatever I want now. And then of course we say, well, maybe it was in the fifties, like you said, or the sixties or the seventies that had the different liberation movements and, and feminism and all these things that started or the sex, drug, rock and roll. But every generation had their areas of sin. It's just now we have the internet to illuminate it, the phones that makes it easier to access like pornography or things like that. Um, but it didn't have back then, but you still had harlots and drunkards. I mean, we can even go back to the Bible and just look at the sin that was abound in there. I mean, hello, Sodom and Gomorrah, wiped out. <laughs> so I think it really does come back to the serpent in the garden, getting us to question the truth, getting us to question God. And ultimately what we have now, well, we're gods, which is uh, totally blasphemy. Okay, yeah. so I think you misunderstood the question. So I, I definitely agree with you to to one extent or another that mm -hmm. you that that was original sin. So that's obviously where we agree. Although I would I would have to put that also into perspective that then none of none of the other subsequent things that happened throughout the entire Bible wouldn't have happened if it weren't for that one thing, which may or may not be a good thing, but. Just as a matter of fact, it wouldn't have happened. So that goes that that is an interesting perspective to see. But I'm just talking about the cultural decay within the United States. Where would you say started the entire cultural decay just within the United States? Hmm. Yeah, I you know, yeah. So I guess in general, I would always say original sin, because that would lead eventually to what is the decay here. Now, uh, you can say the 50s, yeah, it's uh, maybe I think a lot of when I think when you think of like straight up sin, at least more recent, you think of the 60s and um, like, you know, the women's liberation movement, which we know that there is definitely new waves of feminism and some feminism, you know, could be considered good because obviously nope. Men. No, no feminism is good. There's no sorry. What is the idea of feminism? What is that? Well, idea? it depends on the definition. Yes. So if you ever gonna think like I never think that women are better than men, or the one shirt that gets on my nerves, and I'm pretty sure you know the phrase of um, what is it where they say that the future is female. I'm like, well, you know, how the well, hell are yeah. you going to procreate? <laughs> Literally, that is my question. I, when I saw that, I was like. Do they not see how uh, the I think what I think what they mean I think what they mean is that the females are going to take the authority over they're gonna take the mantle of authority over from the men, which I do, which I have to ask that has never existed in the entire history of the world where a there was a female-led society. Now there have been queens, great queens, great authority figures, but as a rule, the, the females were never the mechanics, never the gold or the gold silver. Uh, iron smiths they were never any of the hard-working uh i mean like the literal hard labor they never did any of that so unless uh unless they could figure out the feminists could figure out a way to start uh, doing that until i see feminists take over the mechanic industry first i i think for, for as they say first clean up your room then we will talk about you taking over the world but on feminism 
the thing how I see feminism again, it's uh, it's liberation of oneself. That's a one thing, as mm -hmm. we have already discussed. It's liberalism, but another thing that feminism is, it's something that to afford females uber rights, super rights above them. Because okay. why can't it just be, why can't it just be egalitarianism? Everybody will be judged by the product of their own of uh, their own labor, whatever they whatever they can achieve. Their own achievement they would be they would be judged by the sum they have achieved. Why why can't it be that? Why does it have to be feminism? Oh, what is feminism? Feminism is super uber rights, something um, affording people, uh, giving favoring them over other people who are more qualified, who have better abilities, who have who are stronger, smarter, faster, and every other category, every metric you want to use, they are better. We're gonna no because that person's a female. Now we're gonna we're gonna just we're not gonna look at that. So. This is what I see feminism as. It's literally the word femme is as in female, as in a woman, as in going against the other. You cannot have, oh, female is about equality. How how's, how is that possible? You are literally only saying that uh, your the word itself is favoring one sex over the other. So it can't be that. So there is no such thing in my book, in what I believe in, what I believe that there is no such thing as as uh, any wave of feminism was good. Not the first, not the second, not the third, not, there was no good wave of feminism. Uh, there are certain rights that women uh, got throughout the years, which was, by the way, enforced by men, given to them by men, given up by men. So there is that. But the yeah. idea, the uh, feminist ideology is... Uh, is satanic through and through it is liberalistic through and through and i utterly oppose every wave of feminism i really think that a lot of what happens that we what things that we have now was from distorted views so sometimes i think uh that with you know they say oh we had a very patriarchal society like in the 50s or stuff like that but I wonder if some of it was um, men taking things out of context, particularly the verses in Ephesians about submission. So it was like, well, well, we're going to be, um, we're rulers. I know in the, in the Old Testament, obviously, there was a patriarchal society in biblical times. And it's things when we take what God says out of context and we create this, uh, like, well, these we have domineering men. And then women are like, well, wait, I've been being mistreated so horribly by my husband or men in the workplace because it was, again, people taking the Bible out of context. And then you have these women say, well, we need to be getting the same pay as men. And then all of a sudden, what sounded like a good thing and maybe had good intention, like, well, I'm being mistreated, it became into super bad. Like when we perverse things, when we take things out of context and we perverse it, it becomes horrible. And now you have what we have nowadays, the feminism of, we're just not gonna be equal to men. We have to beat them. And it's like, wait, 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 that's not how it goes. I'm fully a complementarian and like, Men were created for this and they have these skills and women have these skills and it just goes together. I don't want to do certain things that men can do. And there are certain things that I do that they can't do that we just work. But it's like, I, I don't understand how people don't um, see that. It's like, no, no, no. Like you said, like we were saying earlier, the future is female. It's all about female or, or the toxic, whatever. Like I'm going to be like, I don't understand people. What is wrong with admitting that we are different? that we go together. I don't understand. Like that's literally. I take a, I take a very uh, much more, uh, this is going to be kind of, it's going to be a very hot topic, but I take the view that the patriarchy was actually a very good thing. And this is why, because men in their natural role, 
is to be a leader? What is the patriarchy? Being a leader. Now, there, of course, there's the abuse of patriarchy where yes, one thing, where one thinks, oh, okay, I am the leader. So therefore, anything I do, anything and everything I do must be good. And therefore, I cannot be wrong. And then that's when the abuse starts. But what mm -hmm. patriarchy is to me, what I understand it to be, is men taking their natural role in the society and being good at actually what they do. Now, we have so that's why I have said this some time ago, and I continue to say so. Bring back the patriarchy. We have to bring it back. The, uh, the alternative has not worked out. So if you want to say, well, that's not the answer. Okay, first let's bring back something that actually was functional. It was functional to one extent or another. Then we could, uh, if you want to exchange it with something else, we will, we will have that discussion. But first, this whatever is happening right now is definitely not working. It's definite. It's destroying the families. The nuclear family is being destroyed. The society, society is crumbling religion has fallen apart all social morals norms and behaviors tradition everything is falling apart why because of these liberal ideologies that promised you everything will get better and it didn't get better why when i say well these things didn't get better let's go first back let's go take a few steps back and figure it out from there why is that so controversial because apparently if you because not apparently we all know this because they go counter to the revolution. And this is counter-revolutionary ideology. This is counter what well, the long march through the, through the institutions, the never-ending revolution, the current abolishment, the abolishment of the current state of things. The, I'm trying to remember all the Mar Karl Marx quotes uh, from the book. I'm, I'm trying to remember. But the all of these things, it goes counter to that. So therefore, the other side now reacts with the biggest amount of vulgarity as possible so i think yeah. uh, okay go ahead i think okay so it, it goes back to in the book of ephesians this is a hugely like talked about debated subject in christian circles or if you go on the view and you're a christian they're going to always ask you specifically if you're a woman this so what do you think about the submission verses in in the new testament <gasps> oh no so again, we were talking about patriarchy. It depends on the definition of what it is. Like there's toxic, I hate the phrase toxic masculinity, but it's not Wait, wait, wait. I would just want to point this out. There's no such thing as toxic masculinity. But if there ever were such a thing as toxic masculinity, it would be men convincing women to sleep with them and then convincing that the child, that the possibility of a child, if the child, if there actually is a child evolved uh, further on, is actually a clump of cells. And to abort that child, that I would actually consider toxic masculinity. Well, I mean, I know what you're saying about not being toxic masculinity, but it's a phrase that we use, right? People use. Again, I told you, it doesn't exist if, if there, if you could convince me of something, it would be that. Well, okay. So, okay. So when it comes to the phrase toxic masculinity, the reason why it's not actually true is because true masculinity would not take advantage or commit or not take advantage of women would not commit all these sins would be very honorable and, you know, it's in serving God. So that's where people are like, wait, what? I thought, okay, there's the definition of why there is such no, no such thing as toxic masculinity, because if you're truly masculine, you're going to be serving God. So, but yeah, so in Ephesians, it talks about wives submit to your husbands and people just go crazy. And it's, oh my gosh, how offensive, like, look, the patriarchy. But again, I say, read the verses around it. So in the book of Ephesians, it talks about wives submit to your husbands, but it says men love your wives like Christ loved the church. Jesus Christ, meaning he died on the cross for our sins. He took our sins on his death. So yeah, we women, 
we submit to our husbands. Again, we have the right to choose now who we're going to marry. So we need to choose wisely, number one. But then the guy has to die for us, if so be it. So who really has, if you think about it, if you're going to compare the difference. Hmm. I don't think I mind submitting to this guy who I chose and he chose me and he's amazing and I love him because he would have to give up his life for me if it came down to it because he's a provider and a protector. I don't think I have such a bad like deal here. And I think that, you know, it goes back to um, in the Bible, God created man first, right? You know, there's that order and then God created women, women. And I think that I was, I encourage women on my channel, like women, you don't realize how much power you do have, particularly now. You also have responsibility in choosing who you marry. You're not going to be forced to be married unless, you know, you're living in some, you know, other culture or something like that. So why don't you choose wisely? Yes. Because if you choose wisely, you're not going to have a hard time submitting to your husband because you're going to want to, you're going to look to him as a leader. Like I know in me as a woman, I am looking for a leader, someone who's going to lead me in the family, but women don't see it as that way because you know, the media has distorted it for them that no, you need to be an independent woman. You need to do this. You need to do that. Men are horrible. Uh, that is not true. And too many women have believed that lie. So and to that, into that subject, I just want to also, and, and I think this is going to be the last point on the subject of uh, women have to be empowered and all that. And by the way, I just hate that. Everybody now talks about being empowered. I'm like, why do you have to be empowered? Why can't you just submit to something? Why can't you have any rules and boundaries? Why can't you have any standard apply to yourself and just, uh, just be a normal human being? I have to be empowered this way or that way. Why is everybody so power hungry? Everybody's become a bunch of tyrants. Anyway, on that, but... <laughs> We have told that women, they have to be empowered and all that. And I just want to ask the question to those women. Do you think that every single woman, up until the point that you were born, were dumb? Every single woman who has uh, who has submitted to their man, every single woman who had a functional family, all of them were dumb, all of them were oppressed. Every single one was, was uh, what's, the, what's the syndrome called? Try to remember the syndrome, Stockholm syndrome. They all, all every single one was abused, uh, were, uh, were put in a terrible situation. Are you out of your mind? You're saying that the entire history of the human race is was a complete, uh, well, women were a complete joke up until the point feminism came and fixed everything and created the current culture we live in. I'm sorry. When I say bring back, bring back the patriarchy, you have to come back with a valid argument to say why we shouldn't. Because as, as we see, patriarchy worked. Whatever you, you wanted to fight. Well, this woman got abused. Fine. We Okay, I condemn that as well as you do. Fine. Now, can we talk about all the other great, great families that we have brought up up until, up until this point? In order to say that feminism was was needed is to say that every woman up until that point was oppressed, Stockholm Syndrome, was taken advantage of, and so on, every single one. You have to, other because there was no such thing as feminism up until that point. So to say that only feminism is the right ideology is to say that everything beforehand was trash, which that goes to say that liberalism is that. It's basically that. It's a never-ending revolution. Whatever was whatever was in the past, it's not worth it. Let's not discuss that. That's not good. Only whatever happens in the future, the futurists, they have the right state of mind. We should never look at tradition, never look at our uh, at the wise people who have lived before us I'm trying to warn us, which goes to goes to the saying of history. The one thing we learn about history is that we don't learn anything about history. I think we could uh, finish the episode right here. So yeah. I would. So I would first. Uh, 
want you to say where people can follow you, where to subscribe to your channel, and all the places um, they could continue if they're interested to continue this discussion, where they could continue this discussion. All right, friends, thank you so much for hanging out with me today. I enjoyed this chat. And if you guys want to check out my stuff, you can go to bravelydaily.com, uh, my website, or Bravely Daily on YouTube. And you can follow me on Instagram, um, Twitter, X. I don't really get on there too much, Facebook. And it's just my name, Brittany Valadez, which is probably on the screen. So, yeah, thank you so much for having me. I really enjoyed our conversation. I did. <laughs> and for those who want to reach out to me, uh, you could reach out to me on Twitter at Aaron Politodoxy. You could email me at, at politodoxy at gmail.com. Or you could reach out to me on Instagram at Aaron Friedman. And please uh, ask everybody, please uh, leave five stars. You could also leave a comment. Uh, it's a new, I think it's a new thing on Spotify where you could leave a comment. So you could leave a comment here on Spotify or on YouTube. You could also leave a comment uh, where I ask of you, subscribe, leave a like. And I thank you very much for listening to this episode. And remember, my fellow radicals, stay political. <laughs>